Alrighty. I'll give you uh, the, the announcements at the end after I share this morning. But before I get started, I want to uh, share something. If you've been gone a while and you weren't here the month of December, you'll recognize that we've uh, went through a transition here at Grace Point Church. Pastor Jimmy and Annette have trans gone tr on the process of transferring to to our church in Brentwood, our headquarters church, to go on position, go on staff there. It was a transition that seemed like it's happened quickly, but we've actually been, like he talked about on, if you were here when, last Wednesday night when we had that goodbye, he talked about we've been discussing this for two years and about what that would look like and how God is moving them on to greater things and then God is doing something here in Grace Point Church. So um, today... I feel a little nervous. Usually I get up to preach when I'm an associate pastor or executive pastor. I got nothing to lose. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I can let it all hang out. But when you're the first time as a senior pastor and you got your first message on the 1st of January, wow. <laughs> so if I've been a little nervous, it's because I don't want to mess up, but I don't know why. I've known you guys forever. But uh, Miss, myself, and Donna Brown, she, I guess she's out uh, doing something. Uh, we had just assumed our first day today. And uh, we've been here, oh gosh, 12, 13 years. And um, God has touched our hearts to lead Grace Point to the next place. Grace Point is a blessed church. <laughs> you know my philosophy? My philosophy is this, to be a servant of all. But most of all, that each and every one of you are designed with gifts from God. And each and every one of you have a destiny. And my heart and my goal is to be like a point guard. Is to make everyone around us better. So you can do great things wherever you are. It's been in the school system, in the post office, on the base. To be all that God called you to be in those areas so we can infect and affect and transform our city by you guys. Now, you always hear that. I always probably every, end every sermon on that. So if it's a broken record, that's okay. Second one is I'll tell you you have to connect. I'll keep telling you that till I die because there's no place being alone. Okay? So really, bless uh, Pastor Jimmy and I honor them. They're still in the transition mode. Um, they, I think the house sold. I'm not sure. Uh, I think it did sell, and um, Pastor Jimmy has to be in Nashville tomorrow morning. So he's driving, I mean, Tuesday morning, so he's driving out tomorrow and get there in 10 hours and he'll think he'll unpack his bags but I know Nashville said just put your bags in, in the corner and we got a work to do so um, it's an amazing step for them an amazing uh, thing what God has for them so continue to pray for them they, they, they'll be in town just give them, give them a hug and continue praying for them because transition is never easy amen? amen all right I wanted to go ahead and share that before I, I talked about what's going to happen in 2012 and going from 2011 to 2012 God uniquely Put all this together, January 1st, 2012, uh, that I get a chance to share the first message of the year. And then I got up for the last three days, and I wrote all this stuff down, and I don't know what I'm going to say now. Just kidding. <laughs> really. But I really wanted to hit on this subject because we know that resolutions, we know this is a new year, and everyone probably woke up this morning or the last couple days, what am I going to do to be better next year? And then you probably looked at last year and say, I never even achieved those goals from last year. If you're really honest, you'll find out, I never achieved those goals from two years ago. 
and you have all these goals. Who's, how many goal-oriented people do I have here? I know you're administrative people. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that, right? And you get up and you start for three days, and then you get disappointed, and you condemn yourself because you didn't live up to it. And what I want to talk about is I want you to have one goal for 2012, which God will add everything else that you put on that list in right order. See, because if you went and bought an exercise machine, you know in about two years, it'll be in your garage because a new thing comes out. Come on, man. Hey, man in here. Treadmills in the garage. We know we move you. We, we see it all the time. Got the new this finder and that finder, and it, it wears out after about a year. But what I want to do is talk about how God looks at resolutions and how one decision today will affect your life forever. Because if you do the one thing, he'll add and put everything, the other things, in order. If you're administrative, it's going to kill you to do one thing because you love lists. My wife is an achiever by strength finders. She has a list. She does not feel good unless something's on the list has been done. Don't tell her that. She's not in here. So. But don't, don't put this on the tape. Okay. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. Verses 12 through 14. And what I'm going to do is unpack this as we go through it, but I'm going to read it first. And this is Paul, if you know the book of Philippians, it's a letter that Paul wrote. It's one of his per personal letters that he wrote to the church, the Philippi church. It's really a thank you letter for the ones that supported him through his years of ministry. If you recognize, he wrote a, this letter along with Ephesians and, and Colossians while he was in prison. He wrote it about A.D. 60. If you ever hear the word A.D. 60 or those gates or 564 B.C., it means the way they did dates back then is before Christ. Now, when you hear A.D. 60, that's 60 years after the death of Christ. So Paul wrote this about 30 years after Jesus had, had, uh, had been resurrected. And he's in prison. And he's giving a thank you note to the Philippians church. And this is one of the greatest letters because it has not, he doesn't rebuke them. If you read Galatians, wow, what a powerful letter. This is a letter about joy and peace. And I love in Philippians 1, 6, it says whatever he starts, he's going to finish. It's an encouragement letter. He ends it on about how God supports them and God will bless, will give us all our, his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He ends with that because he recognized how to be content. So it's really an encouragement letter. But in the middle of this, in chapter 3, he's preaching the message. He's talking, he's not preaching, he's actually speaking about his resume. In the beginning of 3, he talks about when he was born, and he talks about when he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and he was a, he was a, uh, a scholar, and then he goes into the point that he was, uh, he was the one that persecuted the church. If you know Paul, he was part of the crew that killed young Timothy. He held the guy's coats, and he gives his resume, biography of his past, and then he ends and he says, I put all account that all is rubbish that I may gain Christ, that I may know him. And see, he has some things that he was proud of, and he has some things he weren't proud of. Sound like some of us, if you look at your resume from the past, you got some things that you're really proud of, and you have some things you're not really proud of. And that can affect your life for the future. 
Then you get down to verse 12, and he narrows it down, his focus on what his desire in life is. And I pray when we get done that this will be your desire in all in our lives, that nothing else will bother you if you keep this priority and keep this, this nugget that he's talking about. Because, see, we don't, we don't want to be defined by our past. You see, because our past was taken over by Jesus Christ. Mercy wiped out our past. Grace empowers our future. So we're a people of grace and mercy. If you ever feel like you're, you're too, you, you went too far and you're too down for God or you're too far away from God for him to love you, you can't, you can't argue that case. Because if Jesus thought we were, God was too, we were too far from him, he would never see Jesus Christ to die on the cross for each and every one of us. So that makes you valuable. You might not want to feel valuable. It doesn't matter about your theology of feeling. The, the truth is, you're valuable. That would make you happy. See? But that's why I want to share this about what he's talking about here. And he's, and you know, Paul, when he gets into this, let's read this. Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, we want to circle that, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let me pray quickly. Father, I just ask right now in these, these little moments we have, that you bless our time together. Holy Spirit, I pray that you bring revelation, not just information. And I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the greatest things you see here. Now, we spend a lot of our time, we think the hardest thing in life is decision making. And really, the hardest thing in life is to manage the decisions that we, that we have to manage. The decisions that we made, we have to manage. The hardest thing is decision managing, not decision making. Think about it. We've made decisions in our lives, and those are the hardest things to keep up. We think that making the decision is hard. Managing that which we said is the hardest, especially as a believer. Because as believers, we start off the year, we have a list. I want to study more. I want to do this more. It lasts about 10 days. And we condemn ourselves. But I want to give you I want to give you some tools to help you on this. Because one thing you gotta recognize that Paul, we know the apostle Paul who planted churches, raised up missionaries, left for dead, wrote two-thirds of the Bible, says he has not arrived yet. <laughs> that gives me hope. Think about it. Has not arrived yet. When you look at verse 12, put up verse 12 for me, brother. I love this part. Now, I want you to recognize one thing. My degree is in biblical theology. So when I get really excited about the Bible, because when I went to class, whatever, it was any lesson plan, we had to go to the Bible 
to find the answers. So I think Bible all the time. And I still read it like a comic book, and I get excited. Amen? Because it gives me hope, gives me joy, gives me peace, because the Word of God is active and living. And you're you're reading a living document. So I want to encourage you in 2012, this is a freebie, buy you a Bible and read it. And let the words read you. And you'll get so excited. Like this one. Not that I've already obtained or this or I'm already perfect. I love that he faced the fact that he's not perfect. But I press on to make it my own because Christ has made me his own. The reason why, guys, we can press our motivation to press and make Christ our own is because he made us his own. He, if you look at that in the Greek, it means he apprehended us. That means he arrested us to do great things. He saw something so great in you that he arrested you when, he, when you got salvation and said, you got something great in you. I'm not going to let you go until you find that which is I arrested you for. Man, that's cool stuff. It's like the New York police when they died chases down when I was younger. <laughs> and when they apprehended you, they're going to lock you up. And then they're going to rehabilitate you. Think about God when he arrested you. <laughs> Look where you were. Look where you are right now. If he didn't lock you up, boy, you wouldn't even be here right now. And he says, not even that, you have a free pass to become all that I had created you to be. Grace is awesome. It's not fair on, our side, on his side, but man, I love it on this side. Come on, somebody. First thing you got to recognize he made you his own. Now, some of you single people, I have no one who loves me. There you go. I have to, I have to just tell you. It's not true. Jesus loves you. See? He proved it by apprehending you. He did all the work. So you've been apprehended by Christ in verse 12, it says. Let's go to verse 13. I love this. Because he faced the facts. Verse 13 says, Brother, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, sir, that one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead. Now, this language that you're hearing is sports language. He's talking about a runner who's stretching, or he's talking about a chariot race who's going down the road, and he's straining to get over the finish line to reach the goal. And I remember running track as a young man. And I would be beating people. I'd be, I was fast. Called Fast Richie. <laughs> and I was so fast, I wouldn't want people to see me. But I wanted to see how, how much I was beating the other guy. So, you know, I was tempted, the lines right there. So I'm tempted to look back. And the minute I looked back, I broke step. And guess what happened? I got beat. I got beat. My coach said, the one thing you do, Fast Richie, don't look back because someone's always gaining on you. See? Don't look back. Keep moving forward. The one thing I do, he says, the one thing I do. Now, what's important about this is, it says forget those things, forget the past. What he really means he knows we can't 
logically forget things. He wants you to look at it this way. Look at the past the way God sees the past. See, a lot of us are struggling with the past because we think the enemy did something, like Joseph might have thought that. But when he recognized if Joseph didn't go through all those years of being in the prison and Parvis house and all those things, he wouldn't have got to where God wanted him to to free a nation. See, he wants you, you can't change the past, but you can definitely change the meaning of the past. You know how you change the meaning of the past? You look at it as a preparation for what God has for you in the future. When you look at it as, a, as a, a stumbling block, you will never progress because you live your life out of the past, the way it used to be, the way how, I remember every day, I've been to so many Air Force bases, and we all had, fell into that line. I sure wish I was at my last base. Well, when I was at my last base, I kept saying, I sure wish I was at my, other la- my last base because it was never that good anyway. Don't let the past hamstring you, hamstring your future. Guys, it's time to move forward. Think about it. It's time to take our lives to the next place. How many are tired of dealing with the same sins and dealing with the same stuff? And I've seen this mountain. I've seen that mountain. You've got to make a quality decision. I'm just tired of this mountain. Know why? Because I tell this to young African-Americans all the time. When they say, oh, we're getting held down. No, you're not. Martin Luther King opened up the door. Jesus, by his grace, opened up the door. Walked through the door and stopped dealing with the past. Walked through the freedom that he has given you. See, when I see believers, I see you in a greater light. Those who are free, who Christ died for, who gave you gifts and callings that are amazing. Don't let the past hamstring you. How do you bust out of the past? You pick up the word of God, which represents future and present. See, our thinking is we go from past, present, and future. When you're walking with God, guys, it's about future, present, past. Because this book is prophetic. Peter was called the leader of the church before Peter knew it. God gave him a blueprint of who he was going to be before he even knew who he was going to be. So he already had a future. He had to live it out in the present. He didn't have to deal with the past. When he messed up, when he denied Christ, Jesus came back on the scene. He didn't tell him, oh, man, Peter, you know what you did back there? You disqualified. No, he told him, do you love me? Once, do you love me? Twice, do you love me? Three times, good. Yes, you do. Yes, I do. Okay, get to work. Jesus never even mentioned the past because he died for it. Come on, somebody. Our Savior died for our past. Yeah, that's good stuff. You see? But if you don't know, you won't know the future unless you go into his word. See, we can come to church and sit and hear my word. And what you're getting is, I love what my wife, when she makes, we call sticky buns. Brand new uh, 
Miss Doris knows what sticky buns are. Right? It's the, what you call today cinnamon buns, fresh. And them things, man, you put the cinnamon on them. Smells up the whole house. And your stomach starts going, ooh. And you dive in one of those things and it just melts in your mouth. Yeah, y'all feeling the feeling, aren't you? It's the holidays. I had the same experience when Miss uh, Stephanie dropped off that bread before they went to North Carolina. Had that little butter in there. Man, oh man, <laughs> melted in my mouth. That's how it is when you're reading God's word. It's nutritionist. Now, if you only stick to this part, I chew on that. What I'm giving you now, what happens if I spit it out? Unless God would give you a revelation. You wouldn't want that, would you? No. You want fresh manna, fresh bread from God. And you need it every single day. Every single day. The older you get, the more you know you need it. Don't let the past handicap your future. Okay? Verse 14. Love this. I love this one because I'm, I'm a military guy. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The word I mean, mean press, means to an intense endeavor to acquire something. An intense endeavor to go after that which God had ordained for you to have. You see it, you go after it. You don't stop, you don't get distracted. See, you don't get distracted off the mark. If you set yourself in motion, don't look like I, oh, see how good I'm going. Keep going. See, your past can get you two ways. One, you've done so well in the past, you start riding on its laurels. And you think you're all that in a bag of chips, that's what someone would say. Or the other one is you feel that you messed up so badly you won't move at all. And Paul said, I have not made it. We all in that boat that we have not arrived. I have not arrived. It doesn't have nothing to do with age. Maturity has nothing to do with age. Has with accepting responsibility. That's where maturity comes. When you accept the responsibility of that calling that God has given you. And you notice it's an upward calling. It's not a downward calling. Because as you go, there's a place that you can go with God, an intimacy that you can go with God. That is such an amazing time when you just communion with him that everything else doesn't matter. It's an upward call. If you know how, as you go up in an airplane and the pressure is increasing, the air is thinner. But when you go with God in a place and you're breathing by the Holy Spirit, beyond your own natural ability, it's amazing. And I, there's, a, there's, a old, there's an old story that we used to talk about in ENLI, Every Nation Leadership Institute. It talks about a, a pilot who's flying a plane. And all of a sudden, he hears this noise in the back of the plane. And the noise keeps getting louder and louder. And he feels the flight controls are starting to get uh, a little funny. Okay, go this way. And uh, he sends his co-pilot to the back to check it out. 
Copilot comes back. He says, Captain, there's a bunch of rats chewing on the flight controls. What are we going to do? He says, hmm. We need to go back there, and, and I can't take, leave the controls of the plane. It might crash. So the pilot does this. He launches this thing straight up. He says, what are you doing? What are you doing? He says, I'm killing the rats because the higher I go, the more they can't breathe. See, we have rats in our past that we don't go higher with God is going to chew up your flight control. It's going to chew up your life. Too many of us are being chewed up by all these little things. Pain is chewing on us. Unforgiveness is chewing on us. The higher you go, the more you choke it off. And I don't know about you, 2012, I want to go higher, more intimate with God and choke off all that other stuff. Man, I'm so tired. Gossip, choke it off. All these things that we're fighting, we're going ballistic over, choke it off. Because the higher you go in God, it doesn't affect you because you don't breathe that air anymore. Come on, somebody. It's time for us to stop dealing in the sub-level and take it to the next level. Think about it. We get beset by so many little things. If the temperature is not right, oh, he didn't speak to me. What? <laughs> Come on. When we walked in the world, we didn't care less if anybody spoke to us. Sometime when I grew up in New York, if someone spoke to you, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. <laughs> we get caught up in the rats of life, and you were not born in the alley. We were born to fly. And when he killed those rats, he landed and took off again. I love that story because I don't want to be dealing with rats. Rat of offense. Rat of depression. Rat of gossip. Why do we have to deal with that? When you intimate and go with a new level of God, when you press, what happens is the other word, that word press, it talks about like a spring. If you don't press, you're going to get knocked back. And the only gauge I have if I am progressing or regressing is the word of God. Apart from that, I can't tell. I can't be good enough. Some of you are dealing with the rats of disappointment because you think God let you down. And you look at it in God's view, no son, no daughter, it's something better for you. What you thought was good is too low. I have something greater that's really high. And if I told you right now, you'll run out the door because you say, I can't do that. You see, don't let those, those rats of the past take out your future. The one thing I do, the one thing I want to do is to know Christ. The one thing I want to do is to press. I don't want to be distracted. You got to fight off distraction. Don't want to be, I want to press. We've been here 13 years, 12 years, pressing. 
I don't engage, the, I love military men. They don't engage with the affairs of civilians. They engage in the mission. You got to press the mission of Christ in your church, in, your, in your, our church, in our workplace. Don't let the devil, because he knows what distracts you. Don't get distracted. The one thing I press to the upward, if it's down and you can do it, it isn't God. If it's up and he shows you something, you can't do it, that's God. Because the air that he wants you to breathe, you're going to need the oxygen of the Holy Spirit. It's one story I want to share with you before we close. Josh, it comes out of because we mess, uh, comes out of Mark chapter 10. And we know this story is about Martha and Mary. And uh, a lot of times, we always, you hear this story, people preach on it, one side or the other side. You know, if you work or you worship, do we work or do we worship? And when you hear this story, it says a whole lot, it says something a whole lot different. Because we always want to strive for balance. But this is Jesus. He comes in the house of Mary and Martha. And Martha's doing the things that she's supposed to do as an older sister, taking care of things. And she's busy. And Mary does something else. Let's dive into the story because I believe this is a prophetic word for each and every one of us. See what Jesus said. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered the village, verse 38. And a woman named Martha welcomed them into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted, write that down, distracted with much serving. And she went up and said to him, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. So you need to circle this. You are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Guys, one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen a good portion which not, will not be taken away from her. When you see this story, you see what happens when you get busy and you get distracted. Because let me tell you what's more important. What we do with Christ is far more important than what we do for Christ. What we do with Christ is far more important than what we do for Christ. Martha was busy making a meal that she didn't even know what Jesus wanted. The one of the scholars said that Mary hurry did her work in the kitchen and she sat down at the master's feet. In the Old Test in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, when you sat at the teacher's feet to hear what he was saying. Now, when we make up our to-do list, somehow we have this habit of putting Jesus, work, and all that. And it's off. You think you're putting Jesus first. What this is really saying is. Put Jesus in the center of your life and let everything rotate around that. Mary put Jesus in the center and you're able to work 
Because then you know exactly what you're doing. See, the last two years in America, we've been toiling, trying to fix things, trying to get this done, trying, and we're all frustrated because nothing is working. Know why? Because God is showing us, unless Christ is in the center of our lives, unless Christ is in the center of America, unless Christ is in the center of our city, nothing will come into right order. You see, put Christ in the center. And I'm one of those, I'm I'm like, I got to get the list done. You can be so overwhelmed with things you want to do. But if you don't put Christ in the center, he'll show you how to do it. Church, I love you. But you've been troubled with many things. Many things in your lives you've been getting troubled with. And the reason why we don't experience the abundant life because we're experiencing a busy life. See, you got to recognize, Martha was busy, but she wasn't blessed. And God called us to be blessed. Because I'm working with Christ, not for Christ. And when you're working with Christ, joy is restored, hope is returning, strength is recaptured. Because you put Christ in the center. A lot of you have given up on Christ because you think you didn't get what you wanted or needed in this hour. You're offended with him. And the greatest thing, the greatest God we serve is just because we're offended with him, he's not offended with us. I want you to start the year off with theology. Not meology. Meology, I don't feel like it. Theology, theos, God, in the center of our lives. A lot of us have been troubled by, I can't even name them, I can hear them, by many things. Do the one thing. I can't do anything apart from Christ. I have to sit and hear before I get up and do. Habit forming I've had before, I go and do and then go sit. Did you bless that? Are you, are you in that? No. Sit. Make the center of your job, of your university. Sit and hear so you can go and do. The resolutions should be one resolution. I'm pressing for that which God has given me to do. Don't be troubled by the past. And don't try to take 2011 into 2012. It's dead. It's dead. It doesn't exist any longer. It is dead. It happened. You learn from it. You press. You press on to what God has for you. You might have made a mistake, but you set aside the mistake the way he does, and you put the future back in place where it should be. That's what salvation did. We're all a mess. We all were falling short. We continue to fall short, but grace met us. 
says, I don't matter. You might have been the person that you are back then, but you're not now. And God has something great for each and every one of you. And 12, if you go and apprehend it, you have to apprehend it. Because you have not arrived yet. I have not arrived yet. And the fun thing is we get to do it together. Because your win is my win. Amen? Every head bow. Every eye closed.